0: And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome to the Lifestyles Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we're going to go to the mailbag, and we've got some interesting questions that we want to get to. Let's start today, if we could, with uh, one here from Kirk. Kirk sends, uh I'd love to hear your thoughts on how this program will affect the type of apartment deals that LU members typically target over the next few years. And what it is, it's an article about the fact that there's so much vacancy in these gigantic high rises in downtown cities like New York and so on and so forth that they don't know what to do with them. And they're thinking what their possibility of doing is. Is conversions. Will they take these giant high rises and convert them to apartment complexes, high rise apartment complexes? Well, I've seen a few articles on this and I've also watched a, a TV show about it. And what it basically comes down to is it doesn't affect us as investors at all, Kirk, because we're not going to buy this stuff. This stuff is crap. And it's really somebody's got a, you know, million building or $500 million building, they don't know what to do with it. And so they're thinking they'll convert it. And the conversion itself will be very, very expensive uh, in that you're taking non-residential and turning it into residential, which means tremendous difference in the codes that are required, tremendous difference in, you know, the electrical output necessary, the plumbing output necessary. Uh, It just unbelievable. Now, one of the things it said in the articles I've seen and the show I saw was that about only 25% of these giant buildings are even eligible to be able to be uh, converted. And the reason for that is, is that for residential, you can't have a residential unit without exterior windows, which means any building that's square You've got two or three, at least two aisles going down the middle. All the stuff in the middle of the building doesn't have windows and can't be utilized. So unless they can come up with some way to make every floor, center of every floor, some type of retail space, which I don't see why anybody would go looking for retail space uh, up a 10 or 20 story or 50 story building, uh, you know, elevated. Okay, let's see the store I want on you know, floor 34, and how do you even find that? There's no cross traffic or anything. It just, I don't know how they do it. Maybe they turn it into some business space, you know, office space of some kind. But then you've got office space, you know, walking around the doors of residential. Typically, if you have a high-rise residential building, you do not want anybody to even be able to get into the building. You want it locked down. Uh, you're going to have people guarding it uh, at, the, at the elevator level. Uh, guarding it maybe even at the front door level. So, you know, you might be able to get in the lobby, but you can't get past the lobby to the elevators and or to the residential areas. So, number one, I don't think there's going to be that many of these, according to what I've seen. And number two, I don't think we'd even touch this stuff because it's against everything we believe. Now, I'm going to go off track here for a second, and I'm going to talk about an interesting point that I don't have – the actual um, ability to perceive the future. But in when I was growing up and in my personal values, space is important. Um, America was built on people going west to find a place to live where you could have some land, you could have some space. And people here of late have grown up in cubicles. They live in big cities. They don't even drive cars. And everything is small. I went to New York and stayed in a hotel one time. The hotel room was less than 300 square feet, maybe even less than that. It was so small that the shower was the bathroom. In other words, when you went into the bathroom, you were standing in a shower and there was a sink there you could wash your hands in, a shower head you could take a shower with, and a toilet seat you could go to the bathroom in. That's how ridiculous the lifestyle and quality is for these people. And only the very, very, very rich can afford to have a you know, large place in these cities and in these high rises. And I just don't think it's the way most people want to live. Now, some people who live this elegantly glamorous multi-billion dollar life Okay, I can see it, but everybody else who wants to live in a little teeny cubicle in a walk-up or a high-rise in a city that the crime is unbelievable, the poverty, the, the homelessness is unbelievable, to me, I don't get anything out of that. And I see that cities like San Francisco, people are leaving, cities like New York, people are leaving. I think that type of living has come to an end. Now, having said that, being a type B personality could argue either side of any argument and a Libra, which can argue any side of either argument, I'm going to argue the other side. What has changed in life for people like our kids and our grandkids growing up? They've never had space. So it's not something they miss. Their parents have never had space. So it's not something they teach their kids to aspire to. When I was a kid, we wanted space for a number of reasons. One, because we had lots of kids. And nowadays, people don't have lots of kids anymore. Unless you're impoverished, poor people have a lot of kids. Wealthy people don't have a lot of kids. Successful people, husband and wife, both working, don't have a lot of kids. Um... That has changed. Now let's go to the second reason people don't need a lot of space and why apartment units have actually gotten smaller. The average apartment unit in the '80s was somewhere around 900 to 1,000 square feet. The average apartment unit now is somewhere around 800. It could be 700. Um, the stuff that's being built now is smaller. Now, why is that? Well, when I grew up, you wanted a big. You wanted a TV. A TV was all gigantic piece of wooden furniture and eventually it became a gigantic piece of plastic furniture but nowadays a tv is about an inch and a half thick it sits on the wall you don't need any furniture Uh, speaker systems big giant massive speaker systems and music systems like turntable and amp and all that stuff had to have a cabinet nowadays Everything plays from your phone. You sit it in a little dock, and boom, it plays everywhere through Bluetooth. The speakers are minuscule in size. And I'll tell you, no matter what anybody says, the quality of music is not the same. The music playing off of your phone does not sound like vinyl. There's not even close. And the music playing out of these itty-bitty speakers doesn't sound like the big, giant speakers I have. In fact, I've, over the years, put all those in my house. Uh, I have, you know, in my dance floor, these gigantic speakers. And, man, you play them, you can hear a difference. However, that's me. That's not the world. And so you've got people out there now willing to live in smaller and smaller and smaller spaces. So back when I owned rent houses, the average rent house size, believe it or not, was around 800 to 1,000 square feet. 1,200 was a big house. 1,800 was a mansion. Nowadays, the average size house is 2,500 to 3,000 square feet. So, Dell, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I am because I'm posing a question to you. And, you know, this gentleman asked me, how do you think this applies and affects our investments? I think that if we had our way, we'd buy the smallest units possible because people would be willing to pay X per square foot. The smaller the square footage, the less they have to pay but they're still paying a high price per square foot. They don't need all the space anymore. I think that's where the market is going. However, I don't think the market is going to living downtown in the middle of a city. I think people are getting away from the cities. I think the Democrats have destroyed the cities. And I think, you know, the bottom line is people are moving to the suburbs. We're in the mail bag and this next piece of mail uh, is going to be very painful uh because i'm going to have to pull Adele wamsley on them and go deeper than what the question is because the the learning the learned part of this email is to understand this person's personality and why this person will always have challenges in life and maybe even have bad challenges um I'm going to read the emails. I've gone back and forth with this gentleman a couple times. I'm not going to give out his name because I am going to put some uh, negative juju on the guy. Uh, it starts out and says, uh, "What are you hearing on interest rate forecast for the next year?" I'm going, I'm going from construction loan to permanent financing on a large development. So the guy's a builder, and. Builders in and of themselves have to have a certain personality. They have to believe. They have to believe that the future is going to be okay because you're you're creating something on spec. Uh, you're out there building something and taking the risk that either you can, can't get it done because another COVID hits and you can't get any of the supplies or nobody wants it by the time you've completed it. There is massive risk in construction, but the beauty in construction is it's a um, build it and you will make a ton of money in one big shot kind of thing. The builder considers that they're going to get paid no matter what, whereas the people that own real estate have to go operate real estate to make it work. Builders like the fact that there is this gain, this instant gain behind the thing. So Most of them are instantaneously gratificationally diseased. In other words, if you're born as a builder, if you're born with a hammer in your hand, everything in life looks like a nail. What that means is they've got to go do something. They've got to go build something. They have very, very, very high risk tolerances is what I'm getting to, whereas myself, I have a very low risk tolerance, right? So as we've come out of the pandemic, as we've had these massive interest rate rises, I was telling people three years ago, you know, this is not a good time to go into construction. This is two years ago. It's not a good time to go into construction. Interest rates are about to go up and boom, they went up. Or telling them, hey, going into construction right now, the pandemic, you you can't get your materials. You're stuck. And I know two or three guys that are in the middle of construction projects that just had to stop. They just had to stop them. They came back to me and said, Dell, you're right. It was a bad time to start, but it's okay. I've got it figured out. We'll do this. We'll do that. We'll do something else. So I'm not saying they all lost their shirt. I'm saying they just didn't get it done, didn't make the money they thought they were going to make. And the other thing is, is that a piece of real estate that you're building has a value. And when you start out, it takes about three years to build something because you have. the you know the conception phase and then you have the permitting phase those two phases are pretty long in and of themselves and then you have buy the land and then you you know go out there and start the construction then you've got the construction phase and then once the construction's over you've got the the punch out phase and the lease up phase it's a long time usually at least 3 years the market can change within 3 years well what's happened in the apartment market is that interest rates went from 3.5% to 7.5%, doubled. So what does that mean to us? Well, that means that people that bought stuff with a 3.5% interest rate paid way too much. It also means that people that built buildings based on what the value would be, three years out, overestimated what the value would be because the values have dropped across the board almost. There's very few places I have not seen the drop of at least 20%, and in some types of real estate, some places, 30 to 40%. Now, for us at Lifestyles, we're excited about this. We're very excited because that means we can start buying real estate for very low prices again, which means we're going to make a lot of money. During the last recession in 2008, I tripled or quadrupled my net worth, and I always say triple to quadruple because I don't really know But I know that I was never the same. I mean, it was a massive, massive gain. I went from being just a millionaire to a multimillionaire to a multi-multimillionaire during that period. It was a very, very profitable period of time for myself and my family, right? So we look forward to that happening again. But now this guy is right in the middle of a thing, and he's trying to get out of his development loan. Uh, Let's see what he says here. I had— His temp to perm uh, loan, I can do a one year arm adjustable rate mortgage at 7.5 or a three slash three arm adjustable rate mortgage for 7.95. So he can get a three year or a seven or a one year adjustable rate mortgage. Because of the large debt, saving a half a point would save 1,000 per month. But I feel like I might be taking a gamble. So what he's saying is he can either get a one-year adjustable rate mortgage at seven and a half right now, but at the end of one year, he'd have to find something else to finance the place, or a three-year adjustable rate mortgage at a little bit higher rate, but at least he's got three years on the same loan. But what he's not looking at in this particular case is either one of them, either one of them, the rate could go up on him. And so what he's asking is, do you see the rates going up? And my point is, I don't know. I don't see them going down, that's for sure. I don't particularly see them going up. Inflation is still there. And he brings up the point the Fed would like to get inflation down to 2%. In fact, I'll read you a little bit further what he said as we went back and forth in this conversation. And so he's thinking that Well, I'll I'll just go ahead and read it because I I think you need to hear it from his mouth. Uh, I said, why don't you get a fixed rate loan? And three years ago, I started telling people to make sure they had fixed rate loans and no one listened to me. And in our group, there were a few people that said, you know what, Uh, it's Dell pontificating. He's, you know, always just out there blurting his own opinion. I don't believe the interest rates are going to go up radically. And they went out and got adjustable rate mortgages for the same reason this guy did, by the way, which I'll read to you in a second, because they're lower than fixed rate interest rate loans as far as what your starting interest is, right? And many of these people that went against what I said and did that right now at Lifestyles are upside down on their properties. They're going to lose them. They're going to lose some portion, if not all, of their investors' capital. And the passives that invested with them know they did it. They know they were told not to do it. But they went along with them because they thought this guy's a nice guy or this girl's a nice girl. And they've always done well in the past. Well, they always did well in the past when interest rates were the same. But now the interest rates are going up and they're getting wiped out, right? So we'll take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what's really going on and how this guy sees it. We'll be right back with the Del Wombs Radio Show.
0: the roadmap to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments.
1: The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Not because that's the way it's set up, but because of the knowledge. When put into action, knowledge is power. At Lifestyles Unlimited, we empower you to live the lifestyle of your dreams through passive real estate income. For over 30 years, our successful members have shared their knowledge through case studies, classes, and mentoring. Tap into that knowledge. Attend a free workshop online. Register now at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com.
0: You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're in the mailbag, and as we went to break, we were talking about a gentleman that's a builder, and he asked the question, should I take a one-year adjustable rate mortgage or a three-year adjustable rate mortgage, um, which is, you know, he's thinking, I could run out of a loan in one year and not have a, be able to get another loan or the rates will be super high or whatever. He's not understanding that the adjustable rate mortgage can adjust right while he's still in it. He's not thinking that through correctly or he hasn't explained it to me correctly. I asked him why he didn't take a fixed rate loan. He came back and said uh, jumbo rates are at 8% and that wouldn't be advantageous for me at this point. So in other words, he could get a lower interest rate, so it costs him less to get through the construction period, less interest. And so he's willing to gamble and roll the dice. And as I explained, many people uh, in my group, Decided that even when I told him interest rates were going up, they'd gamble and do that. And you know, you can you can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. And in this case, I don't think I can make this guy drink. But fixed rate loan is the only way to go when interest rates are going up. Now, if interest rates are going down, then adjustable rate mortgages make sense. So he's asking. I mean, it's trying to he's trying to get insight. Do you, do you think it's going to happen or not? Well, the next point I think is even more painful. He writes back to me after we've gone through this discussion. He says, here's what I'm thinking. Biden and the Democrats want to get elected again in 2024. Biden puts pressure on the Fed to lower rates as an election cycle gets going in early 2024. So the reality is Biden doesn't have any power over the Fed. You know, he can go b- bitch and moan and bark at him and whatever. It's not going to do any good. The Fed has a mandate. The mandate is 2% inflation and very low, 3 or 4% or 5% unemployment. I'm sorry, 5% unemployment, 2% inflation. The Fed doesn't see that happening unless they raise interest rates. They've already talked about maybe raising them again next year. So this guy wants to ignore all that because he thinks that Biden. Now, let's go over the Biden thing for a second. I don't care whether you're a Republican or Democrat, I'm neither. But it doesn't take very much intelligence at all to see that Biden is completely gone. I mean, he's not making any decisions whatsoever. It's his cronies that are making all the decisions. He's out of his mind. He, He can't even walk. He can't remember his name. He can't remember other people's names. He can't remember where he's at many times. I think you all see that. You just don't want to admit it if you're a Democrat, but it's true. This guy has lost it. There's no way he gets reelected, in my mind. If we do, then the country just blow it up. It's over. Um, But the reality is, in this situation, is that Biden is not trying to make the country better. Biden and the Democrats are trying to destroy the country. If you look at everything they've done since they've come in, it has made the country weaker. It has make it, made it poorer. It has made it more divisive in racial and sexual terms. They want everything to blow up. They want to blow up the world the way it is, take it away from the white man, and give it to the minorities. Now, you say, well, Dell, that's very, you know, prejudice. you know, it's just the facts. You need to look at it. If you don't see that, if you, you're not really looking. And I don't think most people really look at politics. But my point would be this. More importantly, I never make financial decisions based on politics. You just can't count on them. I mean, what if everybody gets tired of all of this stuff that the Democrats are doing and they just vote these guys out? then all the rules change the other direction. Well, you might say, well, they're better. Well, better for who? And the bottom line is they're different. And different changes make things change and flip around. And all of your business decisions might not work. Whether you think there's going to be good times or bad times, your decision should be based on the uh, the effectiveness of your investment. And that investment should be able to be effective, no matter what the climate is. Now, I'm not talking about black swan event like the um, the illness that everybody got. I can't even think of, think of it anymore. It's already gone out of my brain. Uh, pandemic, whatever. Um, the the Chinese flu, as Donald Trump would call it. But th- the bottom line is, is that you can't use these arbitrary things. There's no facts behind it. Your investment should be based on what am I paying for it? What does it produce? um, And can I get a fixed rate interest rate so that I know that it's going to work? If interest rates are 8%, then you should be buying stuff at a price that 8% works all day long. I started in real estate when interest rates were 12%. We bought real estate and we made money with it at 12%. When the interest rates went down, prices went up, right? So it never really changed. We're all really doing real estate until it got to the last two or three years where interest rates got so low, people were paying way too much for real estate and it didn't make any money because they're basically charging no interest. It was basically free money. And so people started buying real estate with no risk in it. They're not factoring in risk. And so People now are feeling it. The bad side of the story is that people like this gentleman have created a massive market of overpriced real estate throughout the United States, and it is going to kill them. The good part about that is that people like myself and the people that followed my teachings are sitting here with money to spare, right, and ready to kill it. So that brings me to the next mailbag question, which I think is rather interesting. The guy says, I'm getting 5.3% of my Vanguard money market account where I have a lot of dry powder parked. What do you think of money market versus treasuries or high yield savings accounts as to be safe place to park your powder? High yield savings accounts I'm seeing at 4%, and I'm getting more on my money market account. But is it safe? Um, My belief in this is that I've got millions upon millions stashed away in savings accounts. I don't trust money market accounts. I saw one of my largest and smartest investors in our group lose millions in money market accounts. When there's a disaster, the fund is, is a fund. And whatever is backing it could just disappear. And so... I don't do money market funds. Treasuries, the problem with them is that when interest rates go up, the value of the treasuries go down. They're really not a fixed benefit type investment. So at least CDs or savings accounts, I like savings accounts better because I can continue to fund it every month. What I want to put a little more in, a little more in. And if I need it, I can pull it all back out right away. There's no penalty for taking it out. So I would use savings accounts. So let's talk about savings accounts for a second. If you have any real money to save, the savings account only protects it with the FDIC up to $250,000. However, you can increase that by putting more people on the account. So if it's a husband and wife, that's 250 each, that's 500,000 is protected. If you got two kids and you put them on the account, now it's a million dollars. And, if you look at this situation, you go, okay, I can get a million dollars from each account. How many accounts do you need? One, five, ten, twenty, twenty-five, thirty 10, 20, 25, 30 accounts. And I have, I'm not going to tell you how many I have because it'd be telling you how many millions of dollars I have, whatever. But the bottom line is I have a lot of them saved up in these savings accounts. And right now they're not earning 4% anymore. I now have savings accounts over 5%. They're out there. You go look for them. I have many that are in the 4% because that's where they were a couple weeks ago, but now they're in the 5%, which, take it back to the last question, are interest rates going up or down? Well, if you look at my savings accounts, they're going up. Every savings account I have, not everyone, but most of them, send me a little email. Hey, happy face, we're increasing our interest rate, Okay. And so they're, they're not even asking you if you want the rate to go up. They're making the rate go up so you don't take the money out of their account and put it in somebody else's account. They see that interest rates are competitively going up. Now, the guy that was builder can't see that, right? And so at that point, somewhere along the line, he's going to pay the price for not seeing that, right? That's what's going to happen to him in that particular scenario. So savings accounts are better in my boat but make sure you have enough FDI insurance to cover them because banks go out of business also. Think that one over. All right, remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.